Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Saladcast. Myself, Ollie, and Glyn, as always. How are you doing, mate? I'm okay, yeah. It's, uh, say we were putting our Christmas trees up this time last week, weren't we, Ollie? And we're another week towards Christmas now, and uh, our family birthday's gone today, so it's been, with the football, another hectic weekend, mate. Yeah, another good weekend, and a good weekend for Shrewsbury Town, that's mm. for sure. Um, so yeah, I had a friend of mine join me this week, okay. so Neil, who's been to quite a few games. Um, yeah, he... Last time he went was Wickham away, which obviously a bit of a different result. Obviously, we we started well and, and ended up throwing it away. Um, and yeah, it's obviously it's quite funny when Neil comes because he really likes his football. So he's always has a few interesting comments, which I'm sure I'll steal with pride in this podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's also quite good because obviously he sees he's seen Shrewsbury over the years. So it's always yells as a little bit of a snapshot of how we're getting on. So it's always always interesting to to have him. It's always interesting, isn't it, when someone else comes to the game who doesn't normally go. I think one of the things I like um, as a, as a Town fan doing this podcast is that, like you say there, if you've got someone that's not been for a while or, or comes every now and again, and you get that different insight, that different you know that different thought that we we might not have necessarily. And obviously yesterday we had an away sports game in the morning, an internal game where we had twenty five town fans turn up for Ollie. So you know, talking to all those lads in the morning about bits and pieces, and then we we went to the game, and a lot of us then went. Out for a bit of a drink afterwards and, and it's just like it's really fun for me when you're sort of thinking about doing this podcast the next day you, you've got sort of my brother's views been on the podcast about certain bits and then there's other lads walking down the street with us talking about what they think and I, I like those nights out and those sorts of days where you kind of get in different views and different thoughts and it does always bring it home to me that we do this podcast and we have our own views don't we but you know it's that the, there is always people thinking very different things and, and you're always going to come across something that someone doesn't like but you know we, we're just giving our view aren't we really so yeah it's always good when you have someone new or someone different with you I think yeah no definitely Cool. So, yeah, let's get into the action. Good stuff. Andy's ball in there. Dangerous and set pieces. And that's cracked in as well. Looks like Drummond got the final touch to it. And Shrewsbury Town are ahead within three minutes. So, just the one game this week. Uh, Skybet League 2 action again for Shrewsbury Town as we hosted Coventry City and ran out very last minute. Um, 2 1 winners with our goals from Scott Goldborn and Sean Wally. Um, with Jordan Shipley scoring for Coventry to open the scoring in the game, really. And uh, in front of a decent crowd, particularly as it was pre-Christmas, there was 7,336 there. And Cov sold out, basically. They had 1,529 there, which means about 100 didn't turn up if they sold all their tickets. But still, one of the better away followings we've had this season at the Meadow. And they, they certainly made themselves uh, notable during the game, I think. They were pretty good away fans, I thought. Yeah, they were, they were very noisy. Mm. Um, and yeah, obviously they were... After 20 minutes or so, they'd scored. So, yeah, certainly gave them um, some um, something to get enthusiastic about. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast maybe once or twice a long time back, but I, I've been, I went to university in Coventry and was, again, the other night when I was out with the lads on Saturday night talking to them about, I used to go to Highfield Road, I used to watch them against Man United, Man City at university when, when town weren't playing, you know, a town centre stadium, which they sold out, they were riding high. And sometimes I look at results like this and think they've just lost to Shrewsbury Town, they don't have their own stadium. And as a club, they, they just keep continuing to go backwards a little bit, really. I know they're having a half decent season this year, a bit like us, but yeah, from where I used to watch them to where they are now, it's staggering, really. Yeah, and it just goes back to that EFL governance piece, doesn't it? That, you know, a club as a fan base they've been had their, their club taken off the club taken off them and then they've taken you know they've asset stripped and you know they don't own their stadium not asset stripped sorry that's incorrect but basically they ended up getting a stadium and then yeah they're, they're homeless now and now they're playing at Birmingham City mm. so it's just another example um, of, of a club that have, and their fans that have had their club you know in some ways taken away from them so yeah and, yeah, and, and got a bit a lot of sympathy that for away attendance is borne out by that isn't it because talking to a couple yeah. of town fans i know is that they are taking loads of away games because they're, they're some of them are not going to birmingham to watch the games they don't want to put money into the yeah. club in that circumstance so the away games are, they've been selling out most great games really so fair, fair play to them they're having a hard season as fans but um 
yeah, I, you know, they came into this yeah. game riding high with us sort of looking to put us to bed and move out in the league, and it wasn't wasn't quite that way, was it? Yeah, and funny you talk about their away fans. So um, they have not won away in the league. So yeah, they're certainly doing it through the love of the club, um, which is quite interesting. And interesting from a historic point of view, um, Shrewsbury at home um, are in, unbeaten in the last seven. So um, you know we haven't been we haven't, we haven't lost to Coventry in the last um, eleven games, wow. which is quite a, a good record. Um, and then talking of records, um, you mentioned you did a bit of analysis on who scored last, Glenn. And um, Goldborn scored in the league, and he hasn't scored in the league since 2013. Nope. And it was so long ago that old Ricketts was playing. <laughs> yeah, I know it's amazing, and that—that's the funny thing. We talked about this when he scored. Was it in the? Was it in the FA Cup or the Czech trade? I can't remember what he scored in now. Yeah, though. it was a Czech trade. Czech trade, wasn't it? It was not called that anymore. But you know, for the fact he went without a goal since 2013 and then scored two in two and a half weeks is pretty crazy, really, isn't it? He's obviously found his goal scoring boots, Ollie, after you know he eight has. years or whatever it is. No, it was good. It was good to get a defender to kind of get a goal from a corner. We've yes. just been waiting for a few. And then there's a, a really good um, tweet from Stuart Dunn. So this is what he said. So we'll just read it out. He said, Sean Worley loves a winner against Coventry. He did the same when Salat beat Cotland the Sky Blues 2-1 at the Meadow in March 2016. The Coventry team on that night included James Madison, John Fleck, Joe Cole and a certain Sam Ricketts. Wow. So yeah, so John Fleck is, Becky is gutted because John Fleck was on her bench as her fantasy team this week, he got 15 <laughs> points. James Madison, James, James Madison is in my fantasy team and he's a superb footballer. Um, so yeah, quite quite an interesting interesting tweet that was from, from Stu Dunn. Yeah, but they, yeah, they, 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 they did certainly put a lot into it that year, if I remember rightly. They were sort of going for it again, weren't they? I did, I've got, I have a suspicion Grandison scored in that game as well. Maybe not. I can't remember. Maybe that wasn't that game. I do remember him scoring against them. But um, maybe not. Maybe it's just that I, I like to paint good moments about James Grandison. After the negativity about him last week, Ollie, I thought I'd, <laughs> I'd pick it up again. Um, a bit of honesty for you. Yeah, there we go. Um, but yes, I, yeah, I remember that game. I think I went to it. Um, I definitely went to the away game. But yeah, quite quite a few uh, amazing players. Was there no uh, Premiership players playing in our team that day? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, no. Oh, well, there we go. Um, but yeah, it, uh, going back to those stats, it is interesting. I knew Cov had a bad record against us at the Meadow. I have been to like most of those games and they never seem to do much against us. Um, so yeah, it's continued, hasn't it? We seem to be becoming their bogey team, really. Yeah. Mm. And talking of teams, um, who lined up Shrewsbury? Um, O'Leary and goal, Williams, Ebanks-Pierre, um, Love and Goldborn. So quite a settled back five at the moment. And yeah, I, I think to sum up how Shrewsbury were playing in the first half, um, apart from the three central defenders and the fullbacks, it's a bit of a puzzle. So yes. Ockenberry is definitely up front. <laughs> that we can establish, and yeah. <laughs> Norburn was kind of sitting sometimes, but I'm a bit. Com- and then Edwards, I think, was paying off Ockenberry, but I'm not really sure kind of whether it was supposed to be a midfield diamond or whether it was supposed to be Goss and Norburn next to each other mm. with Lauren up front in a three. I don't know, I'm a bit puzzled of how they set up, and I guess this contributed to why we had the change at half time. I would agree with you. I'd say Norburn was definitely the deepest throughout the whole of the first half and Okunabiri was yeah. definitely the striker. What those other three were doing in between, um, it was a bit of a mess and I think that contributed to the way that the first half went for sure. Um, Goss was more forward than I've seen him in any games he's played for us, which was bizarre really in that he's been talking to us in the press about him being the fulcrum, him being the sitter, him being the, the sort of one that wants to sit in front of the back line and be the one that distributes it. So for him and Norburn to have slightly switch positions, I found odd. I felt like maybe it was because he wanted a bit more steel with Norburn in that position the, the deeper player yeah. and Goss and they play over 10 as well yeah. so someone who's going to be able to compete against him Goss doesn't really do steel I don't think he's, he's a classy player no. but um, and with Lauren and Edwards as well you know Edwards got a bit of steel but he's never going to be your sitting defensive midfielder so um, it, I can kind of understand probably what he was trying to do with Norburn but what the other three were trying to do it definitely needed to be well, it didn't really work did it let's be honest 
No. no. So before um, they scored on 26 minutes, kind of what did you make of the first half up to that point, Ryan? <laughs> I'm going to keep using this word. It was a dull game, wasn't it? I mean, Cov yeah. were definitely on top. I think they looked more dangerous in the sort of attacking transition phases. and yeah. But I never felt like they were going to break the back line down very easily. They just had a lot of ball. They looked quite dynamic, but there was always a centre-back there to make a block or, or, or make a make a you know last-ditch tackle. So I wasn't worried too much. But also at the same time, we looked massively anemic going forward again. Um, similar to a lot of games this season, really. Akinabiri got massively isolated straight away. Um, Edwards did his best to try and get up there, but it just it just wasn't happening. Um, and yeah, I thought we were definitely the worst of the two teams in the opening 15, 20 minutes, really. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair summary for the whole half, really. Yeah, fair. Um, Coventry were a bit better. Yeah, I agree with you they were a bit better going forward. I'd say probably a bit, bit better technically and probably making better decisions. Um, I think they seemed a bit more experienced working together. Some of their movement and running off each other was quite good. Um, and I guess that's maybe a good link into the goal. Um, so they did a, a good, a nice worked um, kind of attack. Um, midfielder running into into that kind of space in between the central defenders and the wing back, crossing it back. And Shipperley does a kind of like heads it back the other way and O'Leary. Wrong footed. It didn't seem like, yeah, it got wrong footed a bit and there's not much you could really do about no. it. It seemed like a slow motion header. Um, but I think it would be a bit harsh to criticise him. One of those headers that you give the, the striker all the credit in the world, really, that, you know, sort of Andy Carroll, you know, Peter Crouch type header, where sometimes you don't need to necessarily get too much power on it. You just need to be able to steer it in the right direction. And you know, you're going to just make the keeper have to work or, you know, the keeper's not going to be able to sprawl across that way. So I give him credit. I, I give the guy that chased the ball down because it looked like it was going out of play on the byline. And, um, you know, the yeah, guy sprinted like mad to get to it and, and really dinked it back in nicely. And um, I think that was, for me, when they scored that goal, just at that point in time, was making me feel like they wanted it a little, a little bit more they were they were really chased everything down and they, and they were you know flying in to try and get balls that maybe were lost causes where didn't feel like we were doing that too much um but yeah a very good goal very neat goal I mean, I'm sure that uh, the Cov fans are delighted right they, they sounded like they were and um yeah it was a worry then because again you know with our goal scoring record we, we'll keep coming back to it but you do worry when we go behind in games and we haven't got something to defend into the last 25 minutes but yeah we didn't have to worry going on but uh, it's interesting. I'll ask you a question because you said, "Oh, they were generally the better team across the first half." I'd agree, but did did you feel like after about five six minutes of them going ahead that, that they definitely started to not be quite as dynamic going forward? It felt to me like they did take a little step backwards. Yeah, I think they took a little bit the, the, the foot off the pedal. Strange. Um, maybe a little bit. We kind of just yeah, we saw that they were there's there's two pivots in midfield, so they played um, a four two three one formation. I think their pivots, maybe we try to put a bit of pressure on them and maybe that's kind of their number six, particularly in central midfield, was kind of dictating play. Um, so maybe we did a bit there. But yeah, it was a bit of a, it was a, bit of a weird half and yeah, it, I don't think anyone was too gutted at kind of when it ended. No. Um, I'd say in terms of Shrewsbury's chances, there was a goal-born cross and Okunabiri headed over and then Okunabiri was obviously clearly a little bit frustrated. He got the ball, ran at goal and then had a shot from the edge of the box. But I think it's fair to say neither team really... Um, made the goalkeeper to work to, to do too much work in the first half. No, and when Faye had that shot, it was weak and straight at the keeper, and around me it was just ironic applause because we'd had a shot, and I, I think I looked up and it was like 37 minutes or something like that. It was quite a long way through the first half and was an instrumental of how sort of bad we were going forward at times. And and there's there's a fair you know you look at that diamond or that that four midfielders and you could criticise all four of them. I thought in the first half, I thought Norburn was was sloppy and and not as influential in the game as he could have been Laurent was very wasteful with the ball he gave it away a lot um, some of his passing was really off Goss was pretty poor and deservedly got taken off at half time for me I mean there was a moment where he went over to take a corner and he just whipped it straight out of play didn't he and there was huge groans and 
kind of just felt a little bit like that's that's confidence sort of thing and didn't think he was good. I thought Ed was probably the best of the four midfielders in the first half. He did keep running and yeah. put his shift in, but again, still wasn't massive. I thought Ed was as good. You reckon? Okay. It was quite interesting. Yeah, it was quite interesting. Um, I was saying to, um, I was playing to Neil, kind of explaining who he was, and he got oh, you remembered him for playing for Wolves mm. um, in the Premier League. And for me, this was another game where kind of Edward's class um, his flick-ons, his passes, his movement. Yeah, the way yeah. he just kind of like just makes a pass so quick um, that sometimes I think sometimes players are not quite quite at his level. Um, I thought he, I thought he had a good game overall. I, uh, I would agree overall. Yeah, I think yeah, I think in terms of his impact, it might be a little bit frustrating for him at times because he, he does things which you kind of maybe expect someone to, to make a run or or do do something a little bit better. And also sometimes people play a ball that is just not a Dave Edwards ball. Like he's he's not going to chase 25-yard balls over the top anymore sort of thing. And you've got to kind of put it into his feet and let him do his work rather than knocking it ahead of him and letting him chase on because, you know, he's, he's getting older and, and, and the impact he can have with the ball at feet is much better than trying to chase something down and do something. So, yeah, there was a few moments like where people were playing silly passes to him. But, I, you know, I'm, I didn't think the midfielders are four played well is what I'm trying to say. But I, I would agree, as I said. No, it wasn't for tactically, yeah. it certainly wasn't working and Edwards definitely was the better of, of them I would agree with you um, and, and definitely got better as, a half, as the second half wore on so it wasn't great and I felt a bit sorry for Faye in the same way I've been feeling sorry for Cummins really both of them just end up in the same situation it doesn't matter who we play um, they, they end up quite getting isolated and feeding on absolute scraps in those situations of, of, a, of a performance like that first half so you know he must he must have you know obviously we talk about half time now and he made the changes even Ricketts must have seen that first half and thought I, if I stick with this, we will not win this game. We probably won't get anything out of it. And fair play to him because he made that change, he did, didn't yeah, he? So yeah. he took Goss off, brought Worley on. Um, and I think we kind of went into more of a four, a three, four, three. Mm-hmm. Though it's hard to disgrace. So Worley seemed to have a bit of a free roll. Edwards was playing kind of, I don't know, almost like as a number 10 stroke, shadow striker stroke up front. Um, and Laurent was definitely alongside Norburn. But kind of, it was a bit more solid, I think, in terms of having. The, the two in the, the midfield and then the other three being attacking. And I think the biggest change for me was that uh, my observation was that we just had more men up top. Yep, definitely. Um, and it, it kind of, it, it, that in effect was one of the elements that forced them back. And it was weird because we, we with pushing those men up a little bit forward, you would have thought Coventry would try and expose the extra space there was. And I, I, I have to say over the course of the second half, I thought they played, you know, obviously they let two goals and lost. I thought that the way they approached that half was quite poor. They, they were not great in the, as well as they were in that first 20 minutes but if they'd have played like they did in that first 20 minutes and, and utilised the space we were suddenly leaving I think they would have definitely caught us and probably scored the second and, and maybe maybe even more than that and there was a moment which we'll come to as we go through the second half where they should have gone 2 and up but I thought in general we started to impose our game more and maybe again psychologically that pushed them back and it, and it definitely didn't expose us too much to, for too many dangerous counter-attacks Yeah it was a really interesting observation so there's um, a guy called Dominic and he does a, a website called Sideways Sammy mm-hmm. Um, on Twitter, he's um, side Sammy um, at side Sammy, and he he did probably I have to say the best preview to League One I've I've ever seen. Wow. It was absolutely superb. Yeah, there's like almost like a page on every team, um, and there was a lot, yeah really a lot of detail, and he, he did a really good kind of prediction for the league as well. And he made a really good observation, and he said that basically the pressing of town, so Okinibiri and Worley and Edwards. Um, um, really, really changed the course of the game, and I thought that was quite an interesting observation. He was also making comment that um, their fullbacks are not very good defensively, okay. um, and by pinning them back, um, and you know, we really kind of changed the course of the game. I thought it was quite a, an interesting observation. Yes, do. Um, we pulled, yeah, we pinned their fullbacks back, stopped the supply to their pivots, and I think it's fair to say we absolutely dominated 
the play in the second half. And I think that's, you know, we talk about, well, Ricketts made a sub and he deserves all the credit in the world. But, you know, that, the observations that he's made of that first half an hour is going, it's not just changing the players, is it? It's tinkering that formation in a way that he thinks will get the best out of it from his 400-odd games of professional football and uh, coaching badges and, and everything he's got. You know, you start, you do see that there's someone in there who's got a, an ounce of knowledge about how the, game, how the game works and how to get the best out of teams. And we might not see it every week and he still makes mistakes because he's a young manager and, and he'll learn as he goes on. But it's days like today and, and things like that happening where you can sort of point towards Ricketts figuring out what had gone wrong and fixing it at half-time that you kind of start to think, yeah, when we talk about that progression and where we're going under Ricketts and what could be ahead, those are the things, not just the the wins that we get, it's things like that where you want to hang your hope and think, yeah, okay, actually there is something to be coming here with Ricketts and the more he gets this right and the more he gets these things you know, right in games at the start of it, we could be in massive business. Um, We just need to see it a bit more often, don't we, I suppose? Yeah, there was for me there was two kind of parts to this kind of change and I don't know is it is it too much to say it was a bit of a, a bit of a mass tactical masterclass for League <laughs> One and, and Sam Ricketts in terms of changing the game one of his I'm better days that question. I'd agree one of his I'm better days yeah yeah it was definitely one of his better days and I think also then bringing um, Giles on for Williams putting Goldborn at left centre back um, and then put and then obviously we were obviously the management team and I think it's probably worth mentioning the management team because obviously I'm sure they had a contribution into this these changes as well Um obviously was confident enough to put Giles back and I was really hoping Giles was going to come on actually because I just felt like we they had we had we were gonna they weren't gonna get out and we were really pinning them back and then obviously Giles came on and obviously had a an impact um for um for for the goal for both goals actually yeah yeah um so that that was very interesting to see before we get to the goal though we got to talk about the biggest chance that Kov had in the second half where they got in then and it was very similar to the Brad Walker goal against Macclesfield the other week where um we got in down the left-hand side, sort of a run, run towards the goal, and the guy went to play a pass across to the Brad Walker you know, position. And with Walker, he just took one touch to go around the keeper and side for it in, didn't he? For some reason, they played that perfect ball. It was going straight to the Coventry striker. All he had to do was either you pull the trigger, and it would it should it almost certainly would have been a goal unless Max made a really good save. And for some reason, he tried to chip it back to the guy who'd already passed it to him for for a tap in for him, and he got the pass horribly wrong. And you know, for as improved as we were before that chance, which I think was probably sixty odd minutes maybe from from memory. Um, it was certainly before the first goal, wasn't it? Um, you know, it, it, there was still dangerous, a couple of dangerous moments like that. But it, to go two 0 down would have been incredibly harsh. How we how we played that second half, but really. When they go away from this game, Coventry will look at that chance as the one where they blew the game, really. Yeah, it was a huge, huge opportunity. Yep. And they also had another chance as well from a corner, which they headed over. Yeah, that wasn't... Um, yeah. So, yeah, two key moments which um, changed the course of the game. Mm, um, mm. So, in, in terms of the goal, um, Laurent has a shot inside the box and he goes for a corner. Corner is taken by Giles, who's on the pitch at this point. Um, he crosses it into the box. Good corner. Um, it gets near Okunabiri, who can't get... Go and get something on it. Laurent tries to get something on it, but it kind of goes off him. <laughs> and then basically it's a massive scramble and um, Goldburn um, kind of stabs it home um, from, um, basically near the post on my left-hand side. <laughs> About 10 players. Hand. <laughs> Every, yeah, through into the back of the net. And yeah, it was hard to tell. I think someone booted in afterwards or something because it seemed to bounce really hard and fast into the back of the net. After it kind of gone in, they tried to clear it off the line, um, and then it kind of went back yeah. in, and then they scrambled it out again. And there was, you know, it obviously gone over the line. The referee had seen it and gave it straight away, but the cough players were trying to, you know, get away with it and say it hadn't crossed the line. But um, it was funny. There was a, there was a thing on on Twitter. A few people were talking about. It. Well, it was something I I'd, I'd found out. I was looking at. I don't know why I was looking at it, but I'd found out that the word scrimmage was used in in the, like the 1950s when you didn't have match reporters at lots of games, or you know, they didn't have particularly good views of things, and it might have been foggy and pitches were bad. And if they if a goal was scored and and it, and the game went on, but a, a reporter 
couldn't tell who'd scored the goal. It just got re- reported as scrimmage. So it didn't get given to one particular player. It was called a scrimmage goal. Um, and I felt it was like a little, back in the old days, this would have been a scrimmage goal. You know, the reporter would have been struggling to see who got the last touch on it and probably wouldn't have been given to Goldborn. But fair play to him. He, he, I say, he didn't score many and just got enough of a toe on it, didn't he, to steer at home. And uh, yeah, scrimmage goal all the way, mate. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. It was, uh, it was uh, well-deserved as well at this point, I thought. Yes. We, the game was definitely, um, you know, we were definitely on the up. And then I think it's probably just worth saying that, so throughout the game there had been, you know, it's interesting for the comments from the um, the manager at the end, which we'll come to, um, but it was like there was a lot of moaning of the referee, um, mm-hmm. probably by both sides really, but I'd yep. say probably commentary a bit worse. Um, and so essentially, so so those who weren't at the game, so Ebanks is in our right-back area, he kind of puts a little bit of pressure on the player. He goes flying down, but for me, he's never a foul, not in a million years. He launches the ball, like long ball, up to Cummings. Cummings controls it, kind of turns around on himself and then starts running towards goal, and passes to Giles. Giles crosses, puts the ball into the box, and Sean Worley comes in and volleys it into the back of the bloody net. Massive. And cue absolute carnage and absolute madness because yeah I was jumping up and down with Neil and then also then jumping up and down with Chris Hudson who sits to the left <laughs> and we're all just going absolutely mental 91 minutes as well you know everyone loves a late goal you know it doesn't seem like we've done it for quite a while but you know fully deserved as well I thought on the way that we really pressed that last 10 minutes but what a finish as well you know Giles dug out a really lovely cross it, to me it's, at first I thought oh he's slightly over it because I think uh, one of one of the guys in the box, I can't remember what it was now, and it might have been Laurent, and it, it went looked like it was definitely going to go over him. And I hadn't really seen, in the corner of my eye, I hadn't really seen that Wally had gone a little bit further out. And as it came to him, man alive, That let's just talk about the finish. It takes a huge amount of confidence to just take a ball that's just pinged over in the air like that and to smash it in first time on the volley powerfully and accurately is an unreal finish, to be honest with you. And he hasn't scored for a while. You know, Goldborn hasn't scored for a long time, but Wally's not scored since that last Wally season. Wally hasn't scored since um, away at Bristol Rovers in February. And if you're going to break your duck, do it do it that way, because it was an absolute rocket. And, and yeah, everyone went mental. If you look at the celebrations on the... Um, uh, on the celebrations on the TV, you know, the players are all just, a couple of them lose their mind. Wally's celebrations, great. He does his usual sort of thing for his daughter where he puts his hands up and then he starts just sort of going a bit crazy, really. Then <laughs> it's great if you watch it back on the camera, but it was very symptomatic of what happened at the meadow, wasn't it, really? Of the, the act, act yeah. atmosphere, really, flipping out. And yeah, and we're playing the audio here of the players celebrating and the goal. <laughs> amazing scenes and and you know reminiscent of the Hurst season way away at Rotherham a few other places where we got last minute goals Bristol Rovers away you know is it building again Ollie is it building you know three points off the playoffs you never know but it was amazing and everyone bloody loves a last minute winner and for that game you know just last home game before Christmas isn't it and that sort of festive period starting that off right you know getting three points in the bag with a difficult game away it just a lot of things came good in that moment and um you couldn't you couldn't do anything other than have a massive smile on your face Ollie no, exactly. Walk away from the ground. Yeah. Yeah, very, very happy. 
my mum and dad picked a bad game to miss on Saturday. They uh, <laughs> they had their Christmas party on the Friday night and uh, they'd not quite recovered, unfortunately. So they, they missed the game. So I was around there today talking to them about it. And, and you know, my mum, Wally's number one fan. First thing she said, my man oh, got the goal. Man. She was loving it. And, uh, oh, man, she would have missed that so <laughs> She missed much. it, yeah. Was, so I, I got the uh, highlights up on, on my iPad and showed them. And she was like, oh, brilliant. So, yeah, there we go. All, all good, all in all. I was chuffed. And, uh, yeah, it was quite nice to see the Coventry fans getting a bit miffed on the way out. See you later, lads. And uh, I headed to Smithies for, for a pint. And it was a, a nice, very nice tasting pint, Ollie, at the end of that one. Yeah. So, um, so what did the um, Coventry fans and manager have well, to say? Yeah, uh, it's 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 been a bit weird, hasn't it? The reaction to this because we've seen lots of teams who you could describe, and we we talked about our shit house rating, didn't we, last week? Where well, no, not last week, a few weeks ago when we played Wickham and a few other teams. We mentioned it twice, now, I think. But where, where you know teams can come and be really bad at that sort of stuff, the dark arts. Now, I came away from that game on Saturday thinking there were a couple of moments where if I was a Coventry fan, I might have been annoyed. But in no way did I think we were aggressively time-wasting and we were a dirty team. So, Cov fans thought the referee was a homer, he ruined the game for them, and, and, and that was fine. That's usual for away fans when they've lost, I suppose. But Robbins came out with a whole series of comments, didn't he? And, and the, the driver really seemed to be that we were going to kick them off the park, and we did kick them off the park, and so- someone told one of their players just before the start, we're going to kick you off the park, and it was apparently the the sort of thing that Graham Barrow has been instilling in our team, which is bizarre. The whole thing's a bit mad, isn't it, really? Because we've not, no one's mentioned this sort of thing before. We've not really been that sort of team this season, and all a lot of sour grapes to me, Ollie. Or do you think he's got any merit in what he was saying? No, I don't know. What, sometimes, you, sometimes you get these comments, comments from managers, and sometimes I think are they for are they for fans that weren't at the game? Yes. Do you know what I mean? To a bit of an excuse. Um, there was one bad tackle from Worley, which he got yellow carded for. But there was no real kick in. I didn't really see any kick in other than other than that real moment. No. Um I think it was just yeah, look, and it was interesting. So so Dominic um sideways Sammy said he didn't agree either. So he didn't think we'd no. come and kick them off the park either. I think there's something can in there in them as a team. They're obviously a very good technically team. But for me they seem a little bit soft and a bit weak um in terms yeah. of you know trying to win the ref. And maybe even mentally as well, you know, if they keep no, it's funny. I was chatting to Dominic before the game um, on on Twitter in the week. I said, you know, what did you expect to happen? And he predicted that they would go ahead and then concede. Wow. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, and to not won an away game yet, you know, almost into the 2020, you know, it's that's not great, is it? That does show a little bit of mental fragility and might be one of the reasons that's holding them back from having had a better season, I suppose. And, and we're only three points off them now, so it's not like there's a vast difference between the season we're having and the season they're having. And we've got a game in hand on them as well, so, you know, if we'd have won that, we'd, we'd be level. And very interesting I think the only you know we talk about the bad tackle by Wally but that was punished by the referee and it was never a red card in a million years but the the other thing that they, they seemed to be a bit miffed about was Norburn didn't get sent off and now he got a booking um, and I think that was fair and the referee was on top of it and gave him a booking straight away and then he he, he had another challenge later on in the second half and it was borderline like <laughs> I probably would have wanted a book in there if I was the opposition fans and the referee gave him a final, final warning and I thought we got lucky there and it did feel a little bit like at the time we should sub Norburn off because he's walking an absolute tightrope and to be fair, as soon as he got that that final warning he became super disciplined but then struggled to make a couple of tackles at times so maybe that's one of the other things they could point out to be a bit con- concerned about but again... It was it was a borderline one. I, I could have seen it. It would have been fine if he got booked and, and went off. I would have been all right with that. It wouldn't have been outrageous. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's another thing that they could point out. I think those guys were wearing some very deep blue specs <laughs> to see that. Um, yeah, I think it's a little bit of bias mm. you know, and a little bit of 
yeah, maybe just frustration boiling over into into um, some comments online. But it, it'll make the replay a, a feisty old affair, I think, because there might be a bit more needle in that game now. So that'll be fantastic. Yeah, but um, yeah, it could be. Maybe he'll he'll be really fired up for that. And also, yeah, <laughs> I'm quite looking forward to that. I'm going to bring him yes. to the ground. That'd be quite Should funny. Be good, yeah. yeah. But there we go. I mean, in so, terms of commentary, I, I agree with you. I mean, a, a very technically good team, and, and probably a team that will be up there in the playoffs. Uh, or on the fringes of it, maybe like us for different reasons. You know, we'll probably get up there from being really solid defensively, and they'll be up there from probably scoring more goals than they concede and, and just doing it about enough. So there's more than one way to skin a cat, isn't there, in terms of going for the playoffs this year in League One? I think, and um, you know, probably of the of the seven, eight teams that are involved in it, we'll probably all have our different styles, and uh, be interested to see which one wins out in the end. Yeah, definitely, definitely, mm. and a nice way to kind of cap um, this this part of the podcast off. Yep. So Stuart Dunn summarised the game, um, and he said an exciting turnaround, an impressive two one win for Salop. Great impact from the subs, all three combining for the winner. What a volley from Wally! Stunning, fantastic scenes at the Meadow. Town now just have um, three points offside the playoffs mm. with lots to look forward to. So yeah, nice summary from Stuart Dunn. I thought there. So who was your top three then? It's interesting. I wouldn't normally say a sub off the bench as a man of the match. I quite rarely do it. But for, for, for his impact when he came on, how it changed the game um, and the way he finished that goal, which was a, an absolute touch of class. I've gone and gone, going to give it for Wally, really. Uh, I thought, you know, as I said, he, he is, his direct running, his ability on the ball when he had it, his, his I don't know, is just his ability to maybe bring the rest of the players up a little bit because he's a bit of a of an icon at the club, I suppose, in some respects now to fans, isn't he, due to his longevity? I think a lot of things contributed to the way that second half went. And so, yeah, Wally for me, a definite first-place winner. Um, and then I went for, strangely, I went for Ebanks. I, I wanted to recognise one of the defenders. Again, they were all really solid. But again, I think Ebanks stood out as part of the, the three of them. Again, only one goal conceded. Another good defensive performance, I thought, in terms of uh, playing a team that have scored a lot of goals this season. And, in a win, when you, you win 2-1 like that, a lot of the defensive work probably goes unrecognised. So I wanted to recognise one of the defenders and Ebank stood out to me. And then um, third place, I did talk about him not having a great first half, but I thought he was exceptional in terms of his discipline second half and the way he played. And I, and I went for Edwards in, in third place, which I thought was warranted as well. Cool, cool. So um, I went for Giles first because he, he basically had effectively assists for both goals. Yeah. Um, so just in terms of just coming on and having that such an impact, it's quite, quite can be quite tough coming off the bench. I went for Edwards because yeah, consistency throughout the game, and then Wally for the for the goal. Um, just kind of had to choose him. I thought I did have a little bit of a smile when you went for Ebanks, Glenn. I don't know whether you yeah, been, we got um, slagged off, didn't we? <laughs> had a little bit of a subliminal messaging from from Lewis Cox where he said that he was a almost aghast that we didn't have Ebanks in our top. Um, th- you know, was fourth out of our players for the season yes. so far now interestingly we obviously do it on a game by game basis so there's no kind of we don't try and review the players and put them in order it's no. just a basically a effect of of reviewing each game and i said to lewis cox and i don't know whether he just missed it or he decided not to comment we've got aaron pierre love and lauren in the top three yep. at the moment i don't know who you would take out to put um, ebanks in so yeah, I thought it was quite funny, um, interesting comments. Yeah, um, maybe from, from maybe he's got in my head. He's in my head, living in my head, rent free Lewis Coxes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought it was fair to recognise one of the defenders. I, I do feel like that they are our best part of our team, and it's always really easy when you've scored two goals late on to to be really positive about it. But let's remember that 
other than, other than the second half, we weren't massively great going forward. So it was one of those games where defence, you know, kept in the game first half and, and the attackers did the job second half and the team comes together over the course of 90 minutes. What what I really want to see going forward is just a bit less Jekyll and Hyde about our performances. And yeah, I, I think the more Ricketts goes along, the less we're seeing that. It, it's still happening occasionally, but and it's certainly not happening as bad as it was under Askey and, and maybe some of the other times where it's been poor. But I, I certainly think he's starting to learn from these mistakes and, and it's happening less often. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, it's interesting. So obviously drive to the game Neil was asking me what to kind of expect from the team and I kind of almost I, I've talked about something we've talked about a few times about the balance of the team mm. and we're, you know we're starting on defence and we're trying to move us forward for me I think it's just about that balance um, we've got the balance really well um, perfect in the second half obviously first half it didn't quite work out nope. um, so I think it's just a bit of a bit of progress um, which is quite funny and one of the things I would also add is that one of the strings you can say to Ricketts' is bow in terms of something he's starting to show quite a lot is he does comebacks pretty well you know I'm going to I'm gonna have a look this week I've finished work for Christmas mate so I'm, I'm not doing any work this week and I'll probably find time to look at it but I, I'd like to know how many times we've come back to win with Ricketts now because it's starting to, to be quite a lot um, in terms of uh, not just come back and win but come back and get points you know it seems to be that we're quite a what he always told us in that first meeting we went to meet him uh, when we talked about this on the podcast last year, he was he banged home the point a lot of the time. He said, you'll never see players with me that will give up. They'll run for 90 minutes and I want a team to be playing for the for the whole 95 minutes if it's required. And, and, and when he first started, that wasn't quite the case because he had a few players that maybe he didn't trust or weren't really up to scratch, maybe didn't fit into his system. But... I definitely started to see that. That's one thing he said to me back at that meeting. I'm starting to think, yeah, all right, it's taken you know a month, a year and a half to get there, but we're, we're definitely getting there with a real hard working, committed team, I suppose. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm. Um, I think yeah, men- mental and togetherness, and it's something that he mentions in the post match. So, okay, go on. Yeah, in terms of first match, he, he kind of agrees that um, yeah, first half we were basically playing in, in treacle and we were not good enough, <laughs> more like mud. Um, but then he <laughs> kind of comes. They didn't really ta- test Max O'Leary, which I think is fair. Yep. You know, obviously, sub at half time, and we thought we got better, and we played, you know, played their game in their half, second half. Um, you know, when the subs come on, he meant he had a big talk about how he's really pleased that, that the subs have an impact on the, and when they come on, that they sh- they have an impact on the game. Um, and he said it shows the togetherness um, and the team spirit, and it's a great atmosphere among the players. Um, and then Stuart Dunn mentions about all three subs combining for the goal. And then he did his this quite a, a funny line and he said if Carlsberg's did if Carlsberg did substitutions which I thought was very funny he's getting banter oh my god he must he be is. he must be getting confident <laughs> yeah very confident yeah very chipper um and then yeah he also mentions as we mentioned already that uh, Sean Wally's last goal was Bristol Rovers away but it's quite interesting that he just kind of remembered that already so yeah obviously an eye for detail yeah I suspect that the, the Wally not scoring thing's probably been a, a bit of a talk of the dressing rooms they've probably been getting at him as a you know like you like to get they probably you know the the locker room banter sort of thing you know you're always going to pick on someone's weak points aren't you in terms of that sort of thing and I bet he's been getting loads of clog for it so I bet of anyone you know obviously he was delighted to score but it's just got that monk of his back this season now and he can he can go and mock all the other players I haven't scored for ages now <laughs> so yeah there we are three points Happy days. Um, in a nice tidy league position um, and yeah I think everyone I think you went out and celebrated I certainly did yeah it was good we had a good night out funnily enough you should talk about celebrating that I saw that um I think the Shrewsbury Town players went away after the game for their Christmas party. Um, I think they went back to Dublin, which after what happened that one year with a big punch-up, I always wonder whether that's a good idea. But as of, as of this moment, I haven't heard any news reports about fights. No one seems to have disgraced the football club and everyone seems to have had a good time and there's been no trouble at the Christmas party. So I think that's probably testament to having had a win and going there in a good spirit. So yeah, a very very well-deserved Christmas party for the lads and I hope everyone enjoyed it, really. Yep, no, definitely. Mm. So yeah, let's we've had a couple of questions and let's move on to questions and predictions. 
Mark Evans with a golden chance to maybe put the tie to bed. Daniels poised on the line. Goes for the corner. Great save by the goalkeeper. Follow-up shot saved by Daniels again. And Dawson saving. And again saved by Daniels. And Jevons is denied. Could that be a massive moment in this time? So, Salah questions. So, some we put a kind of plug out for some questions and thanks um, for those guys who replied. So, we're gonna pick a couple. Um, so, um, Shrews fans USA said, How far back forward should Giles be used? He seems to be devastating when going forward. So, yeah, over to you, Grant. Yeah, it was interesting. I was talking to some of the lads on Saturday as we're sitting at the game about Giles. When he came on, he did play, you know, pretty far forward, didn't he? And he had a massive impact on the game and obviously did his defensive role well as well. But when we made this up, like, for Giles to come on. For for a brief moment, I thought he'd taken off Williams and we were going to go for the flat back four and play Wally one wing and Giles the other wing and see how we got on with that. Um, obviously, then Goldbourne dropped back in and Giles then went and played the wing back role. So we never ended up being that attacking, I suppose, in terms of changing the formation. Um, but I was I was looking forward to seeing him have a go on the wing. And I would like to see him be a winger just for once or twice in a game to see how much, how much good he'd be in an attacking position and could he offer us that extra bit of flexibility in our tactics. So... I think at the moment he's playing the role pretty well. He's an attacking fullback. He, he does his job defensively. Obviously, he's lost his place. He needs to win that back for a start. I'm just going on when he did play. But I, I honestly don't think he would be p- too problematic going forward. And he certainly can cross. And he's certainly good at beating a player from the evidence of Saturday. So, for me, I'd, I'd like to see him have a go a bit further forward if it was possible to work it into the team. Yeah, he's definitely... Going forward is definitely his strength, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, defending, you know, we we heard the comments from the Fleetwood management team, you know, that they saw that as a weakness for us. Um, Goldborn's obviously shorn that up. So, yeah, I think, you know, um, we both love a back four. Um, and obviously, you know, if we played 4 3 3, he'd, he'd fit quite nicely um, on that left hand side. So, yeah, I think um, it's one of those, again, <laughs> quite a few things tactically. And um, we quite like the idea, but I, I can't see it happening too much. I think he'll be used maybe a bit like Harry was today, or if we're playing a team at home where Ricketts and the management team are quite confident we're going to be, you know, Offensive, we have most possession or whatever. I think he'll play, so it's one to one to watch. I think it is interesting that he hasn't won a, won his place back. Really, he's been fit for a few weeks again now, and um, you know Ricketts is is fair in giving guys that have been doing jo- a good job that he's fair to let them keep their place. And I say we've said this last few weeks. There's no reason why Goldborn should be dropped. He's he's been in really really good form and contributing every week. And might be a bit harsher on the fact that we've got a really good player like Giles that's just not getting into the team at the moment, which is good. It speaks volumes of the way that we did end up building the squad and the quality that we've got on the bench to bring on so you know uh, there's probably a few places we'll run a recruit in January to make it a bit stronger particularly up front I suppose um, but you know this is definitely you know with Giles the signs that the squad is, is pretty strong yep no definitely mm. and talking of signings we had a question from, from Harry Hill um, how many in brackets senior incoming and outgoings do you think we'll see he said he's going to go he said he went for two in and two out, so Grant leaving and McCormick going probably bearing. Well, obviously we'd have to go back to Chelsea. Mm. So, what's your view on that, Grant? I would agree with that. I think McCormick will definitely go back. I'm 100% certain we'll sign a big, big striker to play up front. Because um, a lot of the time we bang the ball forward to Cummins or Akinabiri, and they're not they're not the right player for bringing it down and, and being the target man. So I think. And I think the shop will definitely go in January. So I think we'll be looking to bring in that big target man in January. So that's two out already, isn't it? The striker, that's one in. I think we'll maybe see another loan in to replace McCormick and you might see another one. So I don't think, like like Harry Hill, I don't think it'll be a huge amount. I think you might see two, three out uh, and two, three in. That might be as much as we need to do, really. And Ricketts will be then focusing on the next transfer window to look at how he strengthens to go even better next season, I suppose. Yeah, I can see. I definitely think the target man um, is, is a need. Um, the way we play and try and get the ball out. Um, and I'd just love to see 
Uh, Edwards is doing really, really well now. Um, and he he is, you know, he's, he's kind of contributing to that number 10 role. Oh, 100%, but yeah. For me, I don't know if we could get someone who was, you know, championship Doherty kind of ability in that role would be an interesting one. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, it's almost like I'm quite happy with kind of what we got at the moment. Um, and, you know, we're kind of on target, aren't we, in terms of what we expected. Um, so whoever comes in for me needs to definitely, um, you know, be a first teamer first, and a starter. Yeah. I suppose the other reason as to why there might be more outgoings is what is the club's philosophy on player outgoings for a fee when we're about to lose a matter of contract at the end of the season. So there's a few in that house at the moment, isn't there? Obviously, Faye's one of them. Um, if someone came in for Faye or there was a there was a bid for, for an Auburn or a Laurent, is, is it something we can turn down? They're starting to play consistently enough, some of those players, that, particularly Laurent, I suppose, where someone might be tempted to make a bid and would we turn it down? I'd be it'd be interesting that you can't really judge I suppose and I suppose, the other thing I would have said is we'll definitely be looking to replace Grant with someone but we already did that with this um, French lad didn't we the other week so that's already covered I think and I don't think we were looking for another defensive central midfielder I think that's it he'll be the one um, so I think we won't be looking at that position either so yeah I don't think it'll be a huge amount I think it's more the Sherry's on top really this season um, a little bit like that her season you know when we, we made those moves in January and we brought in what was it Bryn Morris was it and maybe not Bryn Morris but Issa and, and in the end it wasn't quite uh, the quality we needed to get us over the line for the promotion and I think that if Ricketts can do something a bit better than we did in that window it might be enough to see us over the line to get us into the playoffs so it's a big window it certainly could be the thing that we look back on and think we did well enough there that it pushed us on that little extra step yeah it, I think it's obviously as you said it's going to be dependent on who we who we lose as such um but yeah it'd be interesting one um, I don't th- at least we're going into a January transfer window not desperate for you know seven players um, so that's <laughs> something to be to be pleaseful about exactly yeah there we go and the last question we had this week was from J86 Southpaw um now we could probably do another hour on this question only for me um <laughs> being a bit of a, a lover of fast food but he said we've won a game in the last minute got the fans going home happy a few points off the playoffs but the question is McDonald's or KFC um, so my answer to this is Greg's, obviously. <laughs> I'm not joking. Um, uh, my answer to this is KFC, Ollie. I, I don't know. I don't know how much detail we want to go into this, but man, I'd, I'd go KFC all day, time, all day. Yeah, KFC is <laughs> definitely number one um, service um, food option. Yes. Um, Mackey's for breakfast, but yeah, mm, um, KFC for after, in this scenario after game definitely, and yeah, um, it's a, definitely a KFC for me. Yeah, it's it's both of them are certainly things I should eat a lot less of. Ollie, now I'm getting towards forty, but I don't seem to have learned that lesson. I probably won't do anytime soon. But good question. That that's definitely in my wheelhouse. That is uh, from from J eight eighty six Southport. So there we go. That's the end of our our in searching questions this week. Um, and we we went around it off Ollie with something you're looking forward to talking about for the second week in a row, which is the prediction competition. Yeah, so all going Good. very well for me the last few weeks. Yes. Um, I went for 2-1 win, and you went for 2-0 mm-hmm. win. Um, yeah, and unfortunately for you, Glenn, I was right. So yep. you were getting a little bit cocky, I have to say, I was, yeah. um, a few weeks ago. But now it's 11-all and all to play for. Well, the smile wiped off my face, Ollie. You were shouting into a microphone, I'll love it if we beat them a few weeks ago, and it <laughs> turns out you have. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, fair play to you, Ollie. You got the last two right. And uh, I, I, yeah, we both went for a win last week, which does show how confident we were, I suppose, getting into that game and, and the recent form, and, and it's paid off in the end, really. So... Again, still still having a tricky run of fixtures, I think, in terms of the teams we're playing and how difficult they might be and, and predicting the next one um, is Blackpool away. So, yeah, let's, let's start off with the usual thing. Ollie, will you go to Blackpool away just before Christmas? Um, I might be. I'm not okay. 100% sure at this moment in time. I am 100% sure <laughs> I'm going to go to Blackpool away. Um, 
and I'm going to take the kids. I think we'll have a little morning in Blackpool like we used to usually do, I suppose. It's not the greatest place to go on November, what is it, sorry, December the 21st, wherever it is. I should imagine the weather will be horrible. It has been all this weekend, but that's not a problem. Um, but they're, they're, it's tricky. Now they've got rid of the Oysters, there's a bit more of a feel-good factor about the club. I think yeah. they're, they're more of a difficult proposition, I suppose, going to their ground that maybe had been the yeah. last few years. Um, so I'd be more than happy with this, and I think I can see it happening with, with what the games generally go like for town. So I will go for a 1-1 draw, Ollie. Cool. Yeah, I was going to go for two or draw. Oh, um, I can see. I can Exciting. see us maybe getting something from this game. Um, but yeah, I, you're, I, you're going for one or draw. Um, yep. I'm going for the two all draw. Try I was going to go for a defeat, but oh. I don't know. I've just got this feeling that we're going to maybe get something from the game. And yeah, it's it's really hard to predict mm. um, fixtures. So yeah, in the league one this season, so I did an accumulator yesterday, and um, I had Portsmouth to win. And they and they they beat Stanley beat them four one, um, and yeah every week there's always some kind of results that surprise you like Southend drawing with Rotherham, and Sunderland drawing with Blackpool, um, and then Wickham winning again. So yeah, you just it's really it's apart from Wickham really it's hard to predict any game in League One this season. It is Wickham, Wickham romping away with it. It's amazing really yeah. considering the, the teams in this the division. Fair but fans must be absolutely loving it. It's weird because it's a result that only put us up one one place in the division up to 11th, didn't it? But it's so tight now between Rotherham in 6th on 31 and, you know, Sunderland in on 12th in, in on 27. You know, there's four points between all those teams. Um and their teams we a lot of them we played now, you know, we played Rotherham, Coventry, Oxford, Fleetwood, Portsmouth and Sunderland now, haven't we? And we've had varying results against them. So points to the fact that there's no real consistent team in that middle bunch that we're in the middle of and, and for us that's a good thing you know we are right in the mix and with a really good shout of um of, of being able to say we're one of the contenders for the playoffs and it's interesting we look at the top half of the table Ollie and that we're the only team with a minus goal difference now and, and again I, I've said the phrase more than one way to skin a cat but we're definitely approaching it in a, in a different way to most of the other teams because you know we've got a minus two goal difference but if you look at the other teams you know down from Rotherham there's seven plus seven goal difference plus 11 plus two which is Coventry plus 17 Oxford, plus 7 Fleetwood, plus 5 Portsmouth. So we're obviously tracking behind most of those teams quite quite a lot other than Coventry. So yeah, it's just different ways to get there and Ricketts has got his method. We're going to be sticking with what we've been doing at the start of the season for the next six months, I'm sure. And you know, at the moment, it's, it's good enough to get us there or thereabouts. It might be good enough to do the job in the end. And that's that's what I'm excited at going into Christmas now. It's it's good for a period to be a town fan again, I think. Yeah, definitely. We go into the Christmas period um, looking forward to um, uh, looking forward to January and also yeah, looking forward to the rest of the season. It's, mm. it's, um, definitely, um, it's definitely a lot more enjoyable than it was this time last year. <laughs> well, it is because we've picked up all of it. But the game the games still have massive long periods. The games do get dull. very boring, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, let's, let's, let's take the positives. Yeah, it's I am in a positive joyous occasion, scoring on the 90th minute on Saturday. Exactly, good stuff. All right, well, we shall be back uh, next Sunday, won't we? Which will be just just before Christmas, won't it? And we'll be covering the Blackpool away game. Um, I say we're still working on some content for Christmas. We'll definitely have a Christmas special of some kind. Um, some bits and pieces still going in the background that we haven't quite finished yet. So we will announce that on probably on Twitter, won't we? Just before we put it out. But rest assured, there will be some some good Christmas content and. Uh, yeah, I suppose that, that's it, really. Everyone enjoy their, their last, probably last working week before Christmas, and we shall catch you next Sunday. Oh!